Amen. Well, good morning. I can't see you yet, but good morning. Glad you're here. Man, I'm excited to be with you this morning. I feel like I haven't preached in like 20 months. It's only been two weeks, but I'm excited. I really am. Because I believe God's doing an amazing thing here. Amen? How many of you were just excited to be able to come to church this morning? That was, I'm sorry. Nope, nope, nope. Wait, I had, no, that ain't gonna cut it. I'm sorry. How many of you excited to be in church this morning? <laughs> That's a little better. About to say, y'all, you're gonna have me preaching up here. If y'all talking like that, I'm gonna just put it on, let y'all watch the video from this morning or something. No, I'm excited to be here. I got a few announcements for you first. First off, it's your first time here. We're thankful that you came to meet with us this morning. I'm Pastor Chris. I'm the lead pastor here at the Tabernacle. We are thankful that you came to meet with us today. Hopefully, it's not your last time with us, but we just love Jesus and we're unashamed of it. So, if you are here for the first time, if you take your phone and you'd shoot that beautiful QR code behind me. Nobody's ever thought of a QR code as beautiful, but it is what it is. That beautiful QR code behind me. Shoot that thing. We have a gift for you out in the, in the lobby at the hub. The table in the front, you'll see. And if you, if you, or if you don't shoot it and scan it, all that kind of stuff, we'll still give you the gift. But we're just so thankful that you came this morning. Please let it not be your last time. We'd love to connect with you. If our ushers would come forward, we're going to take our tithes and offering this morning. I want to again thank you for your, your consistency and your faithfulness in giving. But I'm not going to lie. I, I, when I say that, that I'm thankful for your giving, in all reality, I'm just thankful to watch what God does because of your giving. Because God blesses a cheerful giver, and he is all up in it. When we give, he's all on top of it. So, Father, I thank you this morning for every penny that's going to be given today. Father, I pray that you would multiply it. Your word says you give seed to the sower. So we ask, God, that as we partner with you, that we have the privilege of partnering with you, God, that you would multiply our seed 30, 60, and 100 times over. God, I pray for cheerful hearts to be a cheerful giver because you love a cheerful giver. God, bless the offering this morning. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. All right, if this is your church, then on February 13th, I need to have you come with me to the actual building at February 13th at 6.30 in the, in the main sanctuary. We're going to have our yearly family meeting, or in other words, will be our vision meeting, where we lay out what's going to be happening throughout the year. I'm going to have an update for you on the whole building lawsuit mess. Um, so I'm telling you, make plans to be there at 6.30, and that meeting will also start our bi-weekly prayer. We're going to be moving prayer to two times a month. It's going to be bi-weekly, so every other Monday we'll be having prayer at the church corporately from 630 to 8. So that night, on February 13th, it'll start that. Tomorrow night, however, we are having unity prayer at the council chamber. So many of you may not know this, but there's a, there's a group of pastors that get together once a month and we have unity prayer. But one time a year we meet in the parish government complex. So where our parish government meets to make their decisions and do the rulings and all that kind of stuff for us, we get to go pray in that building. And so I'm, I'm expecting God to move. I would like to see a strong showing so that we can be lifting up our leaders, lifting up our city, because if I want God to move, I don't want the government to get in the way. Amen? Amen. So make sure you do that tomorrow night. Now, I got, I got an announcement before you that I don't know if it's on the screen. Guys, is it on, is it on the screen with the guys? You don't know. The guys, men, do me a favor, take out your phones, or ladies, take out your phones for you guys if you guys aren't going to take out their phones. Isn't, huh? March 3rd and 4th is our men's retreat. We did it last year. 
It's going to be this year, March 34th. It went up a little bit in price just because of everything went up in price. But we're trying not to buy as many eggs as we can because that would just make it ridiculously expensive. But it's going to be $75 a man. We're going to have our church, the Metairie Church, Covington Church. Everybody's going to be going. Um, Dr. Ron Johnson, who hosts Band of Brothers up in Chicago, he's going to be speaking that weekend. It's going to be a powerful weekend. Do not miss it. I'm telling you, make sure, make sure that you're there. And I'm going to hold off on my tab group announcement because it's coming at the end of my message. But I'm excited. So, guys, mark those dates. 75 bucks registration will open shortly. I just wanted to give you the dates ahead of time so you can start preparing for it. Amen? Amen? Amen. Well, I'm closing out a series this morning called Reset. We had Reset Your Perspective. We had Reset Your Habits. We had Reset Your Lifestyle. And then we got Reset Your Outlook this morning. It's the last one. Reset Your Outlook. Now, um, last year, my family and I went to the beach. We like to go to the beach for our vacation. And I don't know about you. I, I know for a fact Cody will amend this, but I'm sure others will too. But there's just something divine when you get on I-10 and you pass through Slidell and you come to that I-55, I-59, I-12, I-10 split and you take the I-10 eastbound and you know you're going to Florida, there's just a presence that fills the vehicle. And there's this joy that just overtakes my soul, right? Like in a couple weeks, I have to go to a conference in Gulfport, so I got to take that highway, but I'll know that I'm not driving to the beach so I might have to take a different route because I'll just get so excited, but then I'm not going to the beach. But it's just an amazing experience. And so last year we went, we loaded up the car, we got out there. It was going to be the great time. Condo is beautiful. And my expectations, because I love the beach so much, my expectations are through the roof because it's going to be amazing because I'm just looking forward to it. It was a little crazy last year. I don't know if you all remember. And it was a little wild. And I'm like, I need a break. This is going to be fantastic. We get there first day on a Thursday evening, and it's gorgeous. I mean, the water is perfect. I'm like, Lord, you have blessed us. Heaven has come down to Perdido Key, Florida. And then Friday it rained. And then Saturday it rained. And then Sunday it rained. And my loveling, my loveling, that's the name of the word, my loving wife walks into the room on Sunday morning, uh, our bedroom, and she, she closes the door. And guys, y'all know that means one or two things, right, when she closes the door. Well, it was not the one I was hoping for. She closes the door and she looks at me and she says, what is your problem? And I'm like, what are you talking about? She's like, seriously, what is your problem? And I'm like, well, I don't know what you're talking about. Completely oblivious to, oblivious isn't even a word, oblivious. Y'all pray for me, I'm excited, y'all pray for me. Lord Jesus, help his mouth, hallelujah. Anyway. Completely oblivious to the attitude of which I'm speaking with and the tone of which I have, right? And she's like, you have been in a horrible mood since we got here. The kids don't want to come around you. I've been keeping the kids from you. I've been like, like we've been trying to stay away from you because you've been absolutely terrible and get over yourself. You have, your wife have had to do that to you? If not, let her. Because you probably need it. If she hasn't done it, you probably need it. But I'm like, okay, whatever. And I realized what had happened was my outlook for how much I love the beach had set my expectations so high for this trip. But the problem was when I got there, my expectations were unmet because the weather wasn't giving me the trip that my outlook was expecting. Let me tell you something. One of the most dangerous things about being a Christian is having unmet expectations. Because we believe, and this life is based upon faith, 
And there are times when I'm believing for something and I'm pressing for something and I'm standing for something and then all of a sudden what I expected, what I thought, what I felt and what I believed for isn't happening. And everything seems to fall apart. We're going to talk about that this morning because I believe this morning God's going to reset your outlook today. And there's going to be some healing from it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word today. I thank you for your presence. I thank you that you're here. I thank you for that phenomenal time of worship this morning. I pray, God, that you would be with us today, that you would let me speak this with none of my opinion, all of you, with every person on the sound of my voice, leave this place changed, wanting and knowing you more. In Jesus' name, amen. 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 17, we've been in this story. As, as Matt Snyder said, we have preached this passage as preached as it can possibly be preached. We've been, we've been digging everything out of it. I want to read it to you. You give you the backstory. We've got the prophet Elisha, who the kingdom of Syria is attacking Israel. But every time the king of Syria makes a move, the king of Israel knows what he's doing. And so he's trying to figure out why he thinks he has a mole in his, in his throne room. And what ends up happening is a, a man says, no, there's this prophet in Israel. And this prophet is telling the king of Israel everything you're doing, even what you say in your bedroom. So the king of Syria says, well, go get the prophet. So the man sends an entire army, say an army, sends an entire army to kidnap and to kill Elisha to take care of the problem. And so the servant wakes up one morning and he walks out and he looks upon the hills and the hills are covered with, or the, not the hills, I'm sorry, right in front of the city. They're be, being besieged by an army, a full army of Syrians coming after one man and the servant comes in and he's panicking and he's like we're under attack we're going to die there's a whole army and the servant the, the man of God says there's more with us than those who are against us and then we get this he prays open his eyes and see and so what happens is the man of the, the servant looks up and sees the entire mountainside covered with the hill and the army of the Lord which is an incredible sight to see now I'm going to make one tiny uh, injection here. I don't know if he thought this, but if Chris would have been the servant, Chris would have thought this. If I look out there and I see this enemy army, and then I look and I see the hills covered with the army of the Lord and chariots of fire, and I know the history of Israel, I know that God had the Red Sea collapse on top of the entire Egyptian army. I know that God allowed a boy, a shepherd boy, to kill and decapitate a giant named Goliath. I know that he allowed a judge named Samson to kill 600 Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey. I know that God has literally had the earth open, swallow people, and then close again. Like stuff out of Star Wars. Like if I know that this has happened and I'm that servant, I'm sitting back and I'm like, this is about to be a bloodbath. I'm about to watch God completely annihilate this army in some really cool fashion. I don't know what's about to happen, but this is about to be good. And the servant has these high expectations. Ever had high expectations? Where you're like, huh, this is about to be great. This is about to be amazing. For example, we have to realize, before I give him my example, you have to realize that our expectations have much more of an impact on our lives than we realize. For, I'll give you this example because I know this is true. If you walked up to me right now and gave me seven days, all expenses paid to Disney World, I'm probably a little frustrated with you. Because I do not want to spend seven days in Disney World. Even if it's for free. I don't. But if you're around Melanie Tucker and you say the word or, her brain hears Orlando 
which automatically translates to Disney World, and her phone automatically comes out of her pocket. She pulls up the app and is booking trips. Like it's involuntary. Like I don't even know if she realizes that she's doing it, right? Why is that the case? The reason is because her outlook of Disney World is that it's amazing. My outlook is that it's not. The outlook sets the expectation. So what I think and see about something is going to determine what my expectations are of it. This man is standing here looking at this army. His outlook is God is about to wipe out this army with these chariots on the hill. It's about to be amazing. It's about to be bloody. I can't wait. And that doesn't happen. And his expectations are set as such. And what we don't realize is as Christians, our lives are dictated by our outlook. We don't realize this. But how we see things dictates everything else. See, I've, I, I preached this series in reverse of how it should be. Because if you remember, I started with perspective. How we had to reset our perspective. And our perspective is what's right in front of us. And then the next was our habits. Because, you know, when I'm living what's right in front of me, my habits come next. And then my habits make up my lifestyle. And this is who I am as a person. And, and how I see things, what things I do, and the life I live will determine where I'm heading, right? Thank you. Y'all hanging with me? Okay. That's not the way it's supposed to be. Because what happens when I'm living like this, what is right in front of me dictates everything about my life. What is right in front of me will dictate how I see everything, how I act, how I feel, how I think. That's what will happen. And it, if we're not careful, we're going to let our expectations ruin everything. Because if I have poor expectations of people, I'm going to expect little of people. I'm going to get little from people. If I have poor expectations of God, I'm going to get little from God. If I have poor or low expectations of church, I'm going to get little from church. But our outlook sets our expectation. And I'm calling on the church. Y'all been wondering, we didn't fast all of January. I know. It's okay. Some of you did. Bless your heart. But I'm going to ask that everybody fast something over the next week whatever you can do, with the specific prayer for God to reset our outlook. I'm going to get into it in a minute why that's important. But to reset your outlook. Now, how does he do that? Why is it so important? And how does he do that? I'm believing God's going to do something different and bigger in 2023 and beyond. But I want to see what he's doing. I want to have the outlook to expect it. Because if I'm not careful, what's around me will dictate what I'm expecting. Now, how does he do this? How does, God, how does God reset and shape our outlook? Number one is his will sets the outlook. His will sets the outlook. Look at Romans chapter 5. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Savior, Jesus Christ. Don't, don't go back. Don't, don't make sure. Yep. Through our, through our healer, Jesus Christ. Through our deliverer, Jesus Christ. Through our, our, our joy giver, Jesus Christ. Now, that's, that's not what it says, is it? Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord, Jesus Christ. 
through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Philippians 2 says that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. We sing this. We, we, we talk about this. We, 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 we agree. We say amen. But I don't think we truly understand what it means to call him Lord. The word Lord there in the Greek is kurios. Which is supreme authority, controller, he to whom a person belongs, about which he has the power of deciding. It means he's the boss. It means he's in charge. Pastor Chris, I'm a little confused on what you're talking about here. It's okay. Give me a minute. He's in charge. Far too often... We are making our own plans. We're making our own futures. We're making our own five-year plan, 10-year plan, 15-year plan, 20-year plan. I'm guilty of that. And especially if you talk to anybody who's had any type of success that wasn't just given to them through inheritance, like somebody who made something of themselves, it was all done intentionally. It was all done on purpose, right? So they made a plan, and they stuck to it, and they did all these great things. Awesome, fantastic. However, I'm not in charge. He is. So if I'm truly going to live my life in the model of the kingdom, then I had to let him set my outlook. I had to let him tell me this is where you're headed. This is where you're going. This is who you're called to be. To the point, I can remember there was a season of time here where one of the biggest topics of conversation was uh, where do you want to live? I remember every, it seemed like every time I got together with people socially, the topic of where do you want to live would come up. Well, I want to live on the North Shore, or I want to live on the South Shore. And then there would usually be this, this soft argument of why would you want to leave the parish? Well, because y'all ain't got a target. Well, why would you want to live on the North Shore? They got too many targets. Well, why would you want to do this? And we'd go back and forth and back and forth. And where do you want to live? And then some, man, I'd live in the mountains if I could. Oh, if I could, I'd pick up right now and move to Tennessee, Nashville, Tennessee. That's the Lord has my name written in Nashville. I'm supposed to live in Nashville. I'm supposed to live here. Or I'm supposed to live there. And one night, we're hanging out where people are at my house. I don't remember who was there. I remember one person in particular made a comment that said, if it was up to me, I mean, I would live here. And I said, have you, I got fed up with it. I said, have you asked God where you're supposed to live? And it, I said, because Acts chapter 17, verse 26 says that he determines the times and the places of which they should live. And somebody asked me, where would you live? I said, I don't know. I've never even thought about it. Because my life is not my own. I don't pick where I live. He does. Because he's Lord. He's the boss. He sets my outlook. Sure, would I like to walk outside and not be able to see a neighbor and shoot things out my backyard or my front yard? Absolutely. I can't do that. I, mean, I could probably do it in South Lake. They probably wouldn't care, for being honest. But the truth is, yes, that's what Chris would like, but Chris doesn't make that decision. Because Chris is going to make the decision on what's right in front of him right now. I'll make the decision on what I'm feeling today or what I'm going through today. But no, I need him to set it. His will sets the outlook. 
I need to be seeking God and asking him, God, what are you calling me to do? Because what he calls me to do should dictate my lifestyle. Once I know what my lifestyle is, my habits should reflect it. And when my lifestyle and my habits reflect something, my perspective is going to see things differently. Pastor Chris, help me out a little bit more. Okay, great. You're called to start a business. You're called to start a business. God says you're going to open up this business. It's going to be X, Y, Z, one, two, three. Well, you know what you got to do? What most of us do is we go look at our perspective. I can't start a business right now. I've got this wrong. That's what's right. That's my perspective on what God is telling me to do. I can't start a business. I don't have the money. I don't have the capital. I don't have the credit. I don't have the I did plan. But, I, but I'm called to start a business, but I can't do it right now. But I'm called to start a business, but I can't do it right now. No, I'm called to start a business. So because of that, my lifestyle has to reflect it, which means I've got to start managing my money better. I gotta start reading some business books. I gotta start getting mentored by somebody who's been an entrepreneur and started a business. I gotta I might have to change who I hang out with on Friday and Saturday nights to get around people who are thinking more like me. And then once I get around them, my lifestyle changes. Now my habits are different. My habits of I can't stay up late and binge watch TV because I gotta get up early to make my mentoring breakfast at six o'clock before I go to work. And then once all of those things are different, now I see the situation different because even though my credit's not right now. Because of where I'm heading, it will be. Pastor Chris, I'm called to be a pastor. Okay. I'll tell you this story better yet. I was at a youth conference one time, and I was praying with a young person. And they, I said, well, what can I pray with you for? We're praying about calling and purpose. I said, what are you called to do? I believe I'm called to be a missionary to Japan. I said, konnichiwa. I went, what? That's konnichiwa. And they just looked at me. I said, hello in Japanese. I said, how in the world are you called to be a missionary in Japanese and I know more Japanese than you do? Like 18, 19-year-old student. I said, I'm not trying to punk you. I'm just trying to give you the realization that just because you're called to do something doesn't mean you're gonna wake up one day doing it. No, if I'm called to be a missionary to Japan, then my lifestyle has to change. That means I gotta start getting out of my Americanisms and start adopting some Japanese culture in my lifestyle, which means my habits are gonna change. But see, when I'm looking into the, into the future, if I'm looking in hope that God's called me to do something and my lifestyle is now representing it and my habits are now supporting my lifestyle, my perspective is gonna change because I'm not seeing things as, hey, I'm called to go to Japan, but I don't know how to. I'm called to go to Japan and this is how I'm gonna do it. I just need God to fill in these gaps. Pastor Chris, I'm called to pastor a church. All right, great. But I mean, I, I can't even stop watching pornography right now. I don't know how I'm ever gonna be called to pastor a church. Well, you're looking at the perspective right in front of you. I'm called to pastor a church. My lifestyle has to change. That means I gotta start reading my Bible more. I gotta start thinking differently. I gotta start approaching life differently. My habits are gonna change. You, you understand what I'm saying? See, this, this has to happen if we're ever gonna get out of living based upon our perspective. Because if not, the enemy will keep you focused on what's right in front of you. If his will sets the outlook, then his word sets the expectation. His word sets the expectation. And see, there's something more dangerous than a poor outlook, and that's unmet expectations. It's more dangerous than a, than a, than a poor outlook. The reason why is if you've got a poor outlook, you're just going to stay walking in circles. I'll get to that in a minute. But if you've got a good outlook, but your expectations are unmet, or they fall short, you get discouraged, and you get in despair. 
because I thought God was going to do this, but he didn't. I stepped out to start that business, and it failed. I stepped out to start that church, and it failed. But I know I heard from God. I know that's, that's, that's what he told me to do, and it didn't work. And now my expectations are low. I'm despondent. I'm in despair. I'm hurt. I'm hopeless. And now the next time God asks me to do something, I can't do it because from my perspective or my unmet expectations, I can't trust him. There are people all over church right now in the United States, in churches from sea to shining sea, who are paralyzed by fear due to unmet expectations. Because God didn't do what I thought he was going to do. Think about that line for a second. God didn't do what I thought he was going to do. I'm going to tell you all right now, I had to lay my expectations for pastoring at the feet of Jesus pretty quick. Because what I thought this was going to look like and what it looks like are two completely different things. But his word sets the expectation. Now, I'm not going to read the story because it takes a lot of time. But if we go to John chapter 11, you get the story of Lazarus. And Lazarus is a, a friend of Jesus. And he spends a lot of time with him. And, and, but La, La, Jesus is away and Lazarus gets sick. And they send word to Jesus a few towns away. Hey, Lazarus is sick and he's going to die if you don't come. And Jesus waits. And Lazarus dies. So Jesus then eventually comes into town, and he's met right as soon as he gets in by Martha. And Martha's angry. Martha says, if you would have been here, he wouldn't have died. You ever been mad at God? Dang, no honest people in the whole building. That's okay. Keep your hands down. If you would have been here, he wouldn't have died. God, I, I laid hands on my daddy in the hospital room, and my brother was right there, and my daddy still died, but your word says that you heal all our diseases, and, 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 and if you would have healed my daddy, my brother would, would, would be serving Jesus. If you would have done what I thought you should have done, Lord, if you would have done what I was expecting you to do, God, we wouldn't be in this position. We wouldn't be sitting in this circumstance. And then Jesus walks on a little further, and he runs up to Mary. And Mary's weeping, and she's saying, Lord, oh, if you'd have been here. And Jesus tells Mary, no, he's going to live again. But Mary says, well, of course, at the, at the resurrection, we're all going to live again. She, she missed it. But I think one of the most powerful and important verses of Scripture in the entire Bible is John eleven thirty five. 35. It's the shortest one. Jesus wept. See, his word sets the expectations. And I need, to, I need to give you something. Proverbs 13, 12 says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when desire comes, it is a tree of life. Many are living with hope deferred or sadness or depression or lack of trust or hesitancy to do what God has called them to do, to take steps of faith because what they thought God was going to do didn't happen. And they're bound by it and they're stuck by it. And I'm going to let you know right now, that's most likely because... Your expectations of God were what you set. See, it's quiet because we don't like to talk about this because it, it gets us in, a, in, a, in a, a vulnerable place where we got to admit the fact that we're upset with God about some things because it didn't go the way we thought it would. 
God, what do you mean after 30 years of marriage? She had to go do that. After 30 years of marriage, he had to do that. I raised that baby for that long. I had that child for that long for them to do this. Are you serious right now? God, is that, is that, is that what you're seriously telling me? The expectations are unmet. But see, we forget something, that it's his word that sets the expectation, and it's his will that sets the outlook. I want to give you three things that God is always looking to do. Always looking to do. You can put them up. The first one is he's always looking to get the glory. Every circumstance, every season, every trial, every mountaintop, every valley, he's looking to get the glory. The second thing he's looking to do is save the lost. Always. At every point in time, he's looking to save the lost. And the third thing is he's looking to reveal himself in a new manner. Well, Pastor Chris, I don't understand. No, these right here, this needs to be my outlook. This needs to be my expectation on every situation. God, get the glory. God, save the lost. God, reveal yourself. See, the reason why Jesus didn't go to Lazarus immediately is because he had already proven that he had authority over sickness. Because he had healed people before. Not only that, he had also proven that he had authority over raising the dead, over death, because he had already raised two people from the dead. So what is it about John 11 that's different, that, that Jesus had to do something different? He had to do something that we wouldn't have expected him to do. Why would Jesus make two sisters who, who love him dearly and, and a brother who's a dear, why would he allow this situation to happen? Because, see, although we've already been introduced as Jesus' as healer and deliverer and mighty God over everything, we have yet to see Jesus as comforter. Because it's in John chapter 11 that we see for the first time in the Gospels that Jesus understands grief. And if his best friend doesn't die, he can't demonstrate that he understands grief. That's why our outlook and expectations matter so much. Because when you're walking through something that doesn't line up with what you were expecting, but you go back and look and realize that, you know what? He might be trying to save the lost around me right now. He might be trying to reveal himself to me. Why do you think Jesus had to deal with two storms on a boat? The first time he showed that he had power to calm it. The second time he showed he demonstrated that not only does he have power over it, but anybody who agrees and listens to him has power over it. See, Jesus set out to let us know that this is the case, to let us know that he understands grief, that he, we don't have a high priest who's not been acquainted with our suffering, but being tempted and always yet remain blameless in, from the book of Hebrews. We understand that Jesus, because of what he walks through with Lazarus, he gets grief. So now, how in the world, as a pastor or as a Christian, can you sit across the table from someone who just buried their husband, their wife, or one of their children, and look them in the eyes and say, Jesus understands you? You can't without chapter 11, John 11. You can't do it. 
But it's in John chapter 11 that Jesus walks through grief. He walks through heartache. He walks through this. And see, if we're not careful, we'll be like Mary and Martha, and we'll miss out on what God's trying to do through us in the moment. We'll miss out on what he's actually looking to get glory from, and we'll resist it, and we'll fight it the entire time. What I'm telling you, if we would just let him set the outlook, that says, you know what? I'm called to, I'm called to be a pastor. My lifestyle is going to match it. My habits are going to support it. My perspective is always going to see things this way. Well, God, this is not what I expected, but, but you're going to get the glory. But God, this is not what you're thinking. Yeah, but you're going to save the lost. I'm going to let you know right now that I believe 100% that there are people, you might be sitting in this room this morning, because that's people I can see, I don't know. There are people who would come to church in this building, in a college campus that would not come to church in a church building. I'm almost positive of that. As a fact, I am positive. I know somebody who has come because we're meeting here and not in that building. I don't know all the whys. I don't know all the reasons. But one thing I do know is this, is that I want my life as often as possible to be something he can get these three things from. Reveal yourself through me. Going back to 2 Kings, right? We're expecting this massive bloodbath. That's what I would think would happen. That's what he would most likely think would happen. When in all reality, God had another plan. See, God had already showed that he could do some crazy way to defeat the enemies of Israel, to wipe them out in drastic fashion. But this time, he says, no, I'm gonna show you just how much more powerful I am, how much greater I am, that I'm going to allow Elisha, the man this army is after, to lead this army into captivity. I'm going to let the person they came to get lead them by the hand into captivity. That's how much bigger God is than our adversaries, that he can manipulate the situation around them. They don't even realize it. He's revealing that he's so much greater. He's so much bigger. But if this doesn't happen, we don't get to see it. We've got to stop rejecting what God is doing in our lives because we don't like it. And we got to step back and say, God, how can you get glory from this? How can you win the loss through this? How can you reveal yourself? First thing we see is that his will determines the outlook. His will sets who I'm going to be, where I'm headed. His word sets the expectation. And third, his ways select the people. His ways select the people. See, Elijah takes this army and leads them into Samaria. Why Samaria? I don't know. But I can tell you what. Whatever city that Elijah was going to lead this army into had to be ready to deal with an opposing army walking into the middle of the city. Had to have enough of a military to support the, the prisoner of war situation. Had to, had to have enough soldiers to make sure that the Syrians didn't rise up and try to fight their way out of it. They had to lead them into a proper place. See, your outlook that God is setting, the expectations that he's going to put on your life, he's going to surround you with people to support you in it. He's going to surround you with people that are going to edify you and pick you up when you feel like you're not meeting it, when you feel like you're not measuring up, when you feel like you're not being who God has called you to be, when what's in front of you is robbing you from where you're supposed to be going. He's going to have people around you that are going to mentor you, that are going to disciple you, that are going to father you, that are going to mother you, that are just going to be friends with you, to walk with you through hardship and trial. Because that's what he does. This morning when you walked in, 
You saw the tables in the lobby. Earlier this week, we kicked everybody out their life group. Online. Y'all out. Nobody has a life group anymore. Because we need everybody to re-sign up today when you leave. I'm challenging everybody. There's different groups. You had the list for the last couple of weeks. There's different groups out front. You can sign up in the one you were already a part of. You can try a new one, whatever it is. But the whole point is, is you need to go out with your outlook in mind. Who is God calling me to be? Where is he calling me to go? And let him surround you with the people. Because what I'm telling you, that I know for a fact that God is about to do something incredible in our city, in our region, and I want to be a part of it. But the last thing I want to do is have my expectations wrong because I'm living in the moment and not living what he's called me to do. Do it by your heads this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you, God, that you have called us, you've purchased us. And God, I thank you that you've brought us to this place where we're dependent upon you. Father, there may be somebody in this room today that doesn't know you. There may be somebody in this room today that that knows you, but their perspective is all jacked up. They're stuck in a cycle of repeating the same things over and over again. Maybe they're here this morning, God, and their expectations have been unmet. They're discouraged. They're depressed. They're angry. Because what they thought you were going to do didn't happen. What they expected was going to happen didn't. So God, I pray this morning that you would allow us all, you would give us all a fresh outlook. You'd reset our outlook to see you. To see your purpose. To see your calling. To see the reason that you have us where you have us. God, allow us then to to take that outlook and, and cause our lifestyle to reflect it. Cause our lifestyle to match who you've called us to be. God, when our lifestyle, when we know our lifestyle has to be a certain way, that our habits would then line up with it. We'd reflect it. And God, when my outlook says one thing, my lifestyle matches and my habits support it. God, help me to see what's in front of me the way you do. God, help me to see every situation with purpose. And Father, we ask in Jesus' name, God, that you would get the glory from everything that we do. That you would save the lost as many times as you can through every circumstance we go through. And you reveal yourself new in everything that we do. I pray today, God, as we leave, as we go out, God, I pray that, God, we'd find people signing up for groups that have never been in groups before. I pray, God, that we'd, we'd see an expansion and a growth in your kingdom today. Father, I thank you for growing us, leading us, and expanding us in your kingdom. Go with us today. Keep us safe, God, as we leave. 
We honor you, we praise you, we bless your name. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen, amen, amen. We love you. See you next week.